conductive wire And you were so electric Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. We are trying something brand new today. We're doing a roundtable episode for Avengers Endgame, and this is your spoiler warning. If you have not seen it, don't listen to this at all because we are going to spoil everything. And today I am joined by Jonathan Lally, Katie Schaefer, and Marjani Rawls. You've heard two of them before, but Jonathan was brave enough to make this his first episode. <laughs> <laughs> So we all went to see Avengers Endgame opening weekend. Some of us saw it more than once. I was not one of those people. And Katie actually saw it before the rest of us because she's fancy and got a press screening. So we are going to go ahead and dive right on in here. Hopefully there will be some order to this madness because there was so much, so much going on in this movie. But we're going to start with how we felt the movie was paced and Jonathan is going to kick things off for us. First off, off, I just wanted to thank you for having me. Um, of course. Really pumped to be here. And, and uh, it's always fun to connect with a friend made on the internet and real, I guess, more real life than the internet itself. But uh, <laughs> thank you for having me. Um, as far as the pacing of the movie goes, overall, I was, I was, I enjoyed it. I, I like that they wasted basically no time establishing how bad the situation really was at the beginning. Uh, the second act time heist stuff was a little heavy on the comedy at points. I would have liked to have seen them unwittingly pulled into more of the action from some of these past events, but overall I was okay with it. And then the last hour made good on all of the buildup from the movie and just stuck the landing perfectly. So overall that's, that's how I thought the the pacing of the movie went. Katie. Well, I really loved it kind of from <laughs> beginning to end. Um, I did think the pacing was a challenge for some people, but I think it worked out with the kind of story they were telling, especially because it's so long, you know, you started out and we get that punch in the gut with Hawkeye and Tony comes back and then we're just waiting for five years. And there were so many emotional beats and so much going on all at once that I, that they had to resolve that I'm glad we get that little breather before it all kicks off into high gear. I love how they ended up wrapping up everybody's stories together. And I think they did a really great job with that, especially with those last five minutes. Those are all tear jerkers for me. Yeah, Marjani, what did you think? Going into it, I knew a lot of people had reservations that this was going to be a three-hour movie. I saw the movie with a couple friends that I've seen every MCU movie with, and we didn't feel the three hours. I kind of do agree with Jonathan that the second act did kind of get along with the time heist stuff, but that third act, that was perfect. Like, that last hour, like, it was with the battle, and especially, like, how things unraveled. It was just a perfect way to wrap up this infinity saga. And it's hard to believe that like we invested like 22, 23 movies into getting to this point. But I think that the Russo brothers did a really good job doing a lot of callbacks and kind of looking forward to like where we could go and like wrapping up the major stories of the original six and like incorporating the new people. Yeah, I agree. For me, I think I, kind of took the approach of, okay, let's see what they do with each hour of this movie. And because I looked at it that way, I was like, okay, this hour did this thing, the next hour did this, and then the final hour just destroyed all of the feelings. (laughs) And for me, I think that made it feel like 
it wasn't necessarily a three-hour movie. And that's sort of the key, because I had rewatched Infinity War the day before, and I was like, oh, that didn't feel like a two and a half hour movie, probably because I was able to skip through 10 minutes of credits, but that's besides the point. And this one, even with the lengthier credits, I was like, you know what, this sort of paid off by the end of it to where I didn't even care when it finished that it was as long as it was. I was like, yes, okay, this was exactly what I would have expected out of the pace for it, at least, because they did have to pack so, so much into it. Yeah, absolutely. I And I, I will say this, too, um, uh, just to add on, like, I had told all of my friends when some of them were complaining, I said, this could be a five-hour movie, and I'd be happy, <laughs> happy as hell. You know, it sounds like everyone else has seen a good amount, if not all of these films. I know I have, and... uh it's, uh, you know, the payoff was worth it. Absolutely. Um, and even the second viewing, like there were certain things that I thought didn't work the first time I saw it, which I'll go into later. But I, I definitely ended up after seeing a few other people react to the movie and, and hearing other people's perspectives on things that I hadn't even considered. Uh, a lot of what I thought on the surface, even though they were minor at the beginning, like they didn't really end up mattering the second viewing, you know, I had more of an appreciation after hearing other people react, but yeah, I thought overall the pacing was good. And I think that you're right. You know, there's a lot to unpack and they have to do something with that middle section. And overall there was a lot of good in that middle section too. So, um, I think, I think I agree with pretty much everyone else here on that. Yeah. And with this being a comic book movie, obviously they are going to take some things straight from the comic books. We've seen that with Iron Man extremists being used in Iron Man 3 more specifically than the rest, I believe. And then Civil War was obviously a huge comic book event before the movie ever came out. And while they take some liberty with how they tell these stories because they're doing what works best for the big screen, there were some things from this that came pretty much straight out of the comics. So why don't we run through some of these? The first one we have on our list here is Captain America posing as an agent of Hydra, which was a more recent storyline, if I'm not mistaken, within the last few years. I don't know if it came from something older as well, but that was just a comical moment. And I think it was something that readers of the comics would appreciate in that moment. For me personally, like I, 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 you know, without going too much into my background with comics, because it's very limited, I read, you know, a little bit of X-Men when I was younger and, uh, you know, really didn't even know what the Avengers was until the Iron Man movie. And that whole thing was unraveled from that end credit scene. Like it, it started all for me, but uh, I knew, you know, I read enough now because of the films, I follow enough comic blogs, even though I'm not personally reading them. And so I knew about that, that issue of uh, Captain America, Steve Rogers, number one, it's a um, Nick Spencer run, I believe. And, and I didn't read that. But for me, personally, when he said that line, I felt because I, I think I do remember reading that it was a very um, polarizing you know, take on the character, yeah. even though it was kind of resolved in, a, in this interesting way, I guess. But I thought that that was kind of like probably just enough for people that had read that or, you know, 
just the even for people that maybe not had didn't even know that that comic existed it's still just a great callback to winter soldier in general that i thought it worked so well and it was just like it got a really big round of applause in my screening um that first one and it was just it was it was just kind of a delightful joke slash you know way to move the plot along that worked right we also have professor hulk yeah cap getting to be worthy right you know this was something they had teased for a while now you know cap was able to finally hold Mjolnir? I don't know. That's probably wrong. Thor's hammer. <laughs> I, I've heard it pronounced so many ways. I just call it the hammer out of embarrassment myself because I don't know how it's actually pronounced. <laughs> and we obviously get a taste of Captain Marvel from Kelly Sudaconic's run, which is one of my favorite things I've read in recent memory. So, Katie, along with Cap posing as a Hydra agent, what were sort of some of your thoughts on the comics? Were you already familiar with some of these storylines? Yeah, I was. And I think the one that stuck out the most to me and that I had the most kind of like, well, how well did they do this was um, Professor Hulk. I'm familiar with the, you know, smart Hulk, but I did enjoy when they that they brought it together. And it was a nice... There are lots of nods for fans in these in yes. this one, who, like comic reading fans, I mean, in particular. And I loved all of that stuff. And I kind of looked for it like, oh, I wonder if this is this one is this one because I have, you know, some I've read lots of them and some I've only read a few. Um, but in press greetings, like nobody talks. It's all very quiet. And even there, when Cap says that Hail Hydra thing, everybody gasped. Like, oh, wow. So <laughs> I liked all of that stuff. I think it's a really great way to nod to the fans and allow all these other ideas to come in. Without beating you over the head with it, necessarily. Right, right. And stuff that we'll never really, we'll never see a full movie of, but it's still cool that we get to see a little bit of it, especially the Cap wielding Mjolnir. That was just so fantastic. Yeah, I... Uh, I just to kind of circle back cuz for for professor hulk for me i thought uh you know i i remember reading that mark ruffalo and kevin feige had both commented on how hulk in his own storyline trilogy of sorts had you know started with ragnarok carried through infinity war and then would conclude with endgame and after multiple viewings of each of these movies it's some more than i'd like to admit um <laughs> i think that's an accurate assessment i think uh i I think a lot of us expected Professor Hulk, but I had personally no idea how much I would actually enjoy it. Once again, because <laughs> I am a casual comic person, knew, you know, I'd been reading enough speculation between the last year and now, and and I really, really like how it came together. I thought it was just delightful, um, you know, down to him back at New York talking, you know, seeing old Hulk and then being embarrassed and saying, you know, I think this is gratuitous or whatever and smashing the car. I thought that was so, so funny. (laughs) Um, Cap wielding Mjolnir or however I've heard it pronounced. I thought this was basically fan service of the highest order and another payoff for those of us who watch every film just remembering Cap attempting and almost succeeding to lift Thor's hammer in Age of Ultron and then Thor's shocked reaction and then it just all culminates with him saying, I knew it! It's just, (laughs) it was so nice because, you know, it's like it repays a lot of us who watched some of the movies that, you know, personally I didn't think were as good but still watched all of them. Um, And then, you know, just 
the bonus laugh of Thor telling Cap he can only use the little one and he has to leave Stormbreaker for him. <laughs> it was no. just all, you know, just big old payoffs. And uh, I was super happy with it. Uh, Marjani, how did you feel about it? Well, the comic book nerd in me was very <laughs> happy to see uh, a lot of the stuff. Uh, Captain Marvel's haircut that she yes. has now, the, the shorter haircut, and especially... Like in the beginning of the movie, and of course, this was a clip that went out where, you know, her and Roddy are talking and she's like, well, you know, there are other places than Earth that don't have you guys. So that's why I wasn't there. Like, okay, well, that's kind of more of the recent comic book run where she's like all over the place trying to help people. Yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, The Captain America and Hydra thing was funny because I loved how they used it as kind of like a plot device to get to get him through to the next thing. And it was kind of like a ha ha moment. Like my theater, like everybody like laughed yeah. <laughs> and, and gasped. And they're like, what? Uh, cat wielding a Molnor or I, I'm pretty sure I messed it up, but we have four different pronunciations of it already. It's fine. We're all good. <laughs> and I bet all of us have it wrong. And that's, that was, makes it much better, right? They're going to be like, they have it wrong. Yeah. I loved it. I, especially, like you said, going back to that Age of Ultron scene where he barely moves it and you see Thor like in the <laughs> yeah. corner, like, uh oh, like, and then like he not move it and then he's like, Phew. but yeah, it was kind of like the culmination of Cap's hero arc yeah, and him being so pure and, you know, selfless and whatnot and like using that and Professor Hulk, uh, I know that they can't use Hulk as a standalone, but it's neat to see them show like Hulk go through these stages, like you said, like with Ragnarok, like with Infinity War, even, you know, with Avengers and uh, Age of Ultron, where he's kind of out of control and goes into space to kind of figure things out. Now he's like come full circle and now he's Professor Hulk, like he's the mix of the two. So I thought that was really cool, like especially from a person who's a big Hulk fan. I think they did a nice job just putting them in at just the right moments, too. You know, Captain America posing as Hydra comes at a time where they know there are Hydra agents there now, but they didn't at the time. So it's like, okay, we're going to use this knowledge to our advantage. And he even does it again later when he yells at himself, Bucky is alive, so he can distract himself long enough to knock himself out. I completely forgotten about that. That was so great. Yeah. So they sort of just took these things straight from the comics and put them in in a way where you're like, okay, I'm glad we finally got to see these things happen because a lot of these characters we won't see going forward. And that's just because, you know, like we've said, 20 plus movies of the main Avengers group, you know, the actors are probably going to want to do a few things that aren't Marvel related. (laughs) And it's sort of just a given that even though, you know, it's not like everyone dies in this movie, you know, major spoiler there, obviously, not everyone dies. (laughs) (laughs) But it's one of those things where it's like, as fans, we kind of know that this group is coming to an end, regardless of who lives or dies. It's just something that's going to happen. So they gave us just enough of these things that we wanted to see out of these characters, and that they've hinted at before. And it just worked so well for me. You got to think about it like this is really unprecedented to have these certain actors play these characters for 11 years. Yeah. When has that ever happened? Like, 
it's usually a one and done or a trilogy. Like Robert Downey Jr. has been and it's been kicking at this since 2008. Yeah. So like that's insane. Yeah, it's honestly like just an incredible amount of storytelling and you know, really like kudos has to be given to people like Kevin Feige and John Favreau for really kicking it all off um, and showing us what a comic book movie could be. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, you know, whenever I think about that, I'm like, yeah, the payoff was absolutely worth it. Yeah, definitely. One of the main characters in this, even though she's not in it a ton, did just get her own solo movie. So we see Carol Danvers, also known as Captain Marvel, come lend a hand because she makes a comment pretty early on in the movie that, you know, there are lots of other planets out there and not all of them have an Avengers protecting them, basically. And that sort of sinks in with the entire group when they're kind of like, well, where were you? It's like, well, yeah, aren't the only planets, <laughs> you know, other people have other problems too. And were you guys all pleased with the amount of screen time that Captain Marvel had in this because, you know, obviously just coming off of her solo movie, they teased that she would be in this. We all kind of knew going into this that she would be in it. But were you surprised with how much or how little they used of her? Personally, I thought she was used the perfect amount. And I, and I really enjoyed Captain Marvel. Um, I rank it like as far as all the 22 films go, it's like somewhere near the top half of the middle. Like, Okay. You know, it's really good, but it's, you know, I still rank it above uh, other solo films for sure and, and thought she did a wonderful job. And I was very excited to see more of her, but I thought, you know, I think that the some of the stuff, and I heard it coming from both camps of people that loved her and were excited about her and then also people that just hated her based on some really, really mild, not even offensive comments that the actress had made. And they were all like, oh, I'm so worried she's going to be in this movie. I thought she was, you know, so, you know, oh, she's going to come in and overpower. And I thought she was used perfectly. I like that they pulled a lot of what she had said in that Deconic run uh, about, you know, there's other places out there that like intergalactic stuff needs my help. Not everyone has the Avengers. Uh having her show off the the powers at the very beginning when they overpower Thanos that first time and then they figure out the resolution and then you know at the end coming in and helping ultimately turn the tides at, against him uh you know him needing to rely on the power stone to even get in a hit shows us how powerful she really is i love that she had this quick really cute interaction with peter parker uh, you know, introducing themselves. And it really showed that because she had to come in and help turn the tides, it, re it really shows that the next mega villain will really need to be pretty powerful to pose any sort of threat, uh, at least with her in the equation. At first, I was a little disappointed with how little of her there is in the movie. You know, we see her in the beginning, and then that's kind of it till the end. But after the movie was over, I totally agree, Jonathan. I was just very pleased with how well they balanced having this incredibly powerful character brought into a situation and it works best that way because it allows the original team to yes. really shine. And that's yeah. ultimately what I was, how I was okay with it. <laughs> I can't wait for the next Captain Marvel though. 
Same Z's. <laughs> I'm super excited for what they can do with her now. And selfish me would love uh like the new hip, cool, badass haircut wielding Carol Danvers, but they have so much backstory that they can fill with her that they can ultimately go anyway for a long time. And uh but yeah, I was I I, I I agree with you. I think that them giving time to the original group and then a few other people was perfect. And it made me really, I think the scenes that they had her in were just perfect. I thought she did such a killer job, especially given that she hadn't even shot her movie yet. You know, when you consider all of that, it's pretty incredible. True. Marvel likes their planning. MJ, what did you think (laughs) of how much screen time Captain Marvel had? I I really thought it was perfect given, I mean, it, may feel like it's months ago, but she did just have like her own solo movie and going into Endgame, I really, you know, thought, Hey, this is going to be about the original. And I read a, like an interview with Kevin Feige saying that, you know, she is super powerful, but there was going to be kind of checks. So I thought that not, it wasn't about the screen time that she had. It was about how they used her in screen time. And I thought that it was, great enough to show that she's powerful. And not only that, that she's going to be a leader moving forward. I think when you started off the movie and saying like, there are other planets that need me and that don't have you guys, that opens up a plethora of stories that you go after Endgame. Like, where did she go? Like, who did she help? Who is she helping now? Like, why does she have to keep going? Like, even in the hologram scene where she's like, I'm going to be going away for a while. Like, you guys might not hear from me right. like it leaves so many doors open for carol danvers just to kind of like tell her tale so i thought it was perfect i agree and by the time we get that hologram scene it's already five years later so you get the sense that natasha also understands and the rest of them understand by now that you know there's this specific thing that captain marvel can do that the rest of them can't and it's why she is needed in so many other places besides Earth. So not only does the movie make the rest of the Avengers understand that, they make the fans understand it along the way too. And that's why, you know, Katie were able to be okay with the limited amount of screen time she had by the end of the movie, because this isn't Captain Marvel's story to finish. She's there to lend a hand, but really it's the original group and they're finishing what they started all those years ago. And that was something that was, I think, really crucial to making Captain Marvel's appearance work as well as it did. You know, she's obviously super powerful. And you get that sense every time she's on screen, but we don't need an overload of it. So I really love that balance there. And she comes in and you know, she holds Thanos off as long as she can, but she's not the one who has to finish the fight. And that is left to Tony, which we will be talking about in a bit here. Although speaking of Tony, my next question for all of you is whether or not Dr. Strange knew all along that Tony would figure it out. Do you think when he handed over the time stone in Infinity War that he knew in the back of his mind, because both he and Tony are so stubborn and brilliant, but in different ways, I feel like he just suddenly put all of his faith in Tony when he gave Thanos the Time Stone in Infinity War, knowing that he would be able to 
figure it out because he had already seen all of the outcomes. What was it like over 14 million of them or something? And they only won in one. So did you guys get that feeling when you find out that, you know, he wasn't supposed to willingly give over the time stone? You know, I, I thought that that was such a great, you know, great attempt at kind of not just explaining his motivations behind giving away the stone and why he might have done that, even though, you know, Bruce was so many years early. But I also thought that I I really liked his commitment to the end, but I also liked that scene and what it did in explaining about the branch universe and like tried to do a decent job at attempting to explain how this all works, you know, because a lot of the stuff, you know, we're obviously using our imaginations. It is an entertainment piece, but I thought that the ancient one piecing Strange's plan together in front of the audience and surrendering the time stone to Bruce. This is this was this was good. I thought this was a good thing. And I do think that, you know, it, this was the only way it seemed like. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I love that people had also kind of, you know, side thing about Strange. And obviously this has been alluded to before even him. But when he said we're in the end game now and. You know, Marvel was playing coy with the title of this movie, but yet everyone had pretty much called it. Um, Yeah, I I definitely, I thought that that resonated a bunch. And I always think about that. And I think about his line and how he knows what's going on. And I think that also makes him uh, poised to be a really interesting character going forward, too. Yeah, I thought, I liked how they made this work. And I thought it was a really, a better way to describe exactly how their time traveling works rather than in uh, when they're in the lab or whatever, and Hulk kind of tries to straighten them out, like, oh, no, your past is your past, and your future is now your past, and all that stuff. Like, I thought that the Ancient One's explanation of, like, this is how it goes, this is how it works, was neat and well done. And I think it made it easier for me to totally believe that that Doctor Strange knew. He knew what he was doing when Tony... Uh, that he has to keep Tony alive because he's the one who has to win. They don't have him, then nothing will work. So I think he knew, and I think he did his best with it. Yeah, I think he knew. Uh, Going back to Katie's point and the talk with the Ancient One uh, and giving away the the time stone, uh, she was like, why would he do that? You know, but he must have had a reason because Strange is the best of us. So I have to trust it. And I feel, especially with, Kind of like starting with Age of Ultron, there's this always been this like creeping sense of like death or not death, but like sacrifice with Tony, especially with the vision that he had of everybody dying and like him trying to do things to avoid it. But it's like with fate, you know, what I mean, like once it's set, it's done. And I felt that, you know, Doctor Strange seeing that was kind of an extension of that. And it kind of brought the home of Tony eventually dying and giving himself up for the cause uh doing the snap so yeah worked for me yeah for me it was one of those things where when i went back and watched infinity war i was like okay we know for a fact that he has seen all of the outcomes because he says as much and then you can tell there is a little bit of hesitation when he's handing over the time stone but you also get the sense that he has faith that Tony is the one person who is smart enough to make it work. And obviously, they have to know that Tony isn't going to turn to dust in Infinity War for all of this to work. So 
once you get the explanation from the Ancient One and Bruce's conversation, you're like, yeah, okay, it's clear that this is being pushed by Doctor Strange, even though he's not around. You know, he knew right off the bat. Well, not right off the bat, but as soon as he saw all of the outcomes, he knew what had to be done to drive Tony to figure things out. And maybe he didn't know it would take a little help from Scott Lang, but it was something that happened because everyone else was under the impression that Scott was just missing like everyone else. They did, they had no idea he was in the quantum realm and that a, that a mouse would bring him back. <laughs> you know, I don't think any of us saw the mouse bringing him back as how he got back, but I think it just all worked out and Doctor Strange knew that Tony would have to be the one to figure this out because... One, they're kind of both arrogant enough to think they have the answer to the problem. And in this case, they were right. <laughs> you know, they both technically had the answer to it. Yeah, they both even argue a lot in Infinity War. So it was it was cool to kind of like for him to have that moment. As soon as Tony looked at uh, Doctor Strange and he flashed up that one finger, I was like, oh. Here we go. Here it comes. (laughs) Here's the time. Here it comes. Like, it's about to be over. Like, somebody's got to make a decision here. So That was a great scene. That was a great scene. And honestly, like, that was one of my favorite parts about just meeting Doctor Strange for the first time in his film was thinking about, oh, man, it would be so great to see this ego go up against the ego of Tony Stark (laughs) and barely fit inside the room. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And we got that with these two characters. And I think we really got... You know, they but they both and, and, and I had heard someone else, you know, we might get to this later, but, you know, like Doctor Strange is honestly, I think, a serious contender, if not Captain Marvel. I'd like to see Captain Marvel lead the team, but Doctor Strange has got a lot of sense of urgency as well. And I think that that's, you know, something that he has uh, demonstrated many times. But, yeah, I. I that was such a great interaction. And that last scene that you referenced with him giving him, flashing him the one with his finger was just, ah, it was great. Yeah. Even the interaction when, you know, they're talking briefly and he said like, you know, how do we win? He's like, well, if I told you it wouldn't happen. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Since we just brought up Tony's death, we have another big death that happens and that is Natasha sacrificing herself so that they can get the soul stone, which We already knew that was the case in order to get that stone based on what we saw in Infinity War. But did it surprise you? Did any of the deaths surprise you in this, really? So for me personally, and I'll I'll go through, like, I guess everything that I considered a death or a, you know, and, you know, send off Mm -hmm. boy. But Black Widow was a complete shock to me. And it made, but it made sense. And it made me appreciate Natasha so much more and obviously i've been appreciating her over these last few films even with things in ultron where she's calming hulk down and she has this just like she, i mean she's keeping the avengers together in wake of whatever whatever happened at the end of infinity war and you know what better way to rid your ledger of all of that red than to sacrifice yourself and bringing back half the population right i mean at first at first, I was disappointed that she didn't get more fighting in, but her delivery of some of those lines across this film made up for it so much. She just, I felt awful for her in this film. You know, she, 
it, you could just really tell. And she was, whole, you know, doing her best to keep everything together. And then when the quantum realm timeline theories started brewing after the first trailer, I, I suspected the soul stone would still require a sacrifice of a loved one. That was the one thing that kept my head scratching. I'm like, okay, well, someone's going to have to give themselves up. And I was thinking, well, you know, in my head, the most logical, you know, explanation was cap, you know, would bring him full circle with red skull. But I'm glad that, you know, as soon as, as soon as, as soon as black widow and Hawkeye show up on Vormir, I'm like, wait, no, 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 this isn't happening. (laughs) And, uh, that final fight that they had, uh, it was just, you know, they loved each other and they really, they've really done a great job establishing that. And But in a very platonic way, you know, she's not trying to steal Clint from his wife or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course not. No, 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 no. But just they have that friendship. They have that loving friendship. I love so many of my friends and I understand that. And he had, you know, been responsible, I believe, for pulling her into the good side you know, early in her career, I believe she said that somewhere in the films mm-hmm. and, you know, to see it come full circle was just so touching. Um, and so sad. And yeah, it was just a gut punch. I didn't, I didn't expect it until they showed up on Vormir, even when they're like showing them, you know, who's pairing off with which stones. I didn't even think about it there. I was just not until they showed up and it was just not, not waiting. I, I didn't, I didn't expect it. Um, if we're talking about other deaths, Tony, I was really, I I assumed we would get his death, but I was just really hoping we wouldn't. Uh, When they established that he had a kid, I was also like stupidly assuming that he would be spared and was like breathing a little sigh of relief. And then, you know, just based on the fact that he's indicated how much he loves playing the character, I had assumed that they would retire him and, you know, he'd be around for the occasional cameo in future films, and his his death just, once again, utterly gutted me. I wasn't prepared for any of those emotions. The role reversal of him and Peter between Infinity War and Endgame, you know, Pepper telling him he can rest. We won, Mr. Stark. We won. We won. We oh, won. Tears. And Instant just like, tears. Yeah. You know, that scene, that, that hit on all the right notes. It hit on all the right notes. The exchange between... Happy Hogan and Morgan Stark about cheeseburgers at the end. Just, oh, man, all all the feels. And, you know, while I don't assume, I don't consider this necessarily a death, but I, I had assumed Captain America would die. I, he was the one that just made the most sense to me. Yeah. And while he didn't exactly die, per se, I'm glad that they wrapped up his character arc with a happy ending and retirement. And I thought that was very tastefully handled and it was like everyone wanted that ending for cap. So I think like, as far as like deaths and whatnot go, I think we've more or less covered it, but like, or at least I've covered it as far as how I feel about those deaths. I don't think I missed anyone. Did I, did anyone else die that I forgot about? <laughs> I hope not. Um, but yeah, that's how I felt. I do have something I want to bring up about Gamora, but I will do that oh, yeah. during my turn if yes. Katie or MJ please, do please. not get to it first. <laughs> yes, uh, please, by all means. God, I did not see Black Widow's death coming at all. And I was like, okay, how are they going to do this? And then when they get to the planet, it was just, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And I went back and forth like in as I'm watching the movie, like, okay, who who should it be and who's it going to be? And it does make much more sense for Black Widow. You know, she's lost everything and she's 
getting that red out of her ledger, like you said, and she's just gives such a great performance. I think we got to see Scarlett Johansson really show her skills in this. She usually isn't asked to do very much real acting as Black Widow, you know, because she just kind of is be a badass. And that's all she has to do. But in this, there's just so many complicated emotions for her and how we see her in the beginning after, I mean, the five years point, she's just so worn down and defeated by the failure. And it feels like a fitting, but still incredibly sad ending for her character. And Tony, I, I also didn't think he would die. I figured like, Oh no, they'll keep him alive and he'll be, but he'll retire or something. But then once the battle started, it kind of dawned on me that like, okay, I don't know. Somebody's got to die here and it's either going to be Cap or it's going to be Tony. And his ending is also incredibly well handled and his acting in that scene. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. has shown his skills in every movie he's in in this series. And the last line that he has is perfect. I am Iron Man. And then done was a kick in the head man i i was just i started like real crying at that point like oh god no and then i thought okay we can't lose cap i refuse to allow that to happen (laughs) so but there is one more is uh nebula old nebula dies yes true and i liked that i don't know new nebula Good Nebula. We'll call her Good Nebula. (laughs) Good Nebula kills her past self rather than allow her to, you know, destroy everything. And I loved how I handled Nebula in this movie. I thought I was so pleased to get her side of things and see her develop as beyond that very stern and... Stubborn. (laughs) Yeah. Stern and no fun. We do not have fun here. We are here to work all the time type personality. And she really comes into her own a little bit and we see her motivations as they, and why she does the things she does. So, and Cap, I thought the ending, I figured when I saw the time travel thing, I was like, okay, cool. Cap's going back. Especially when he doesn't have any interactions except with him, like with a past emotional connection, like the rest of them all get that. He fights himself, but he only watches Peggy. He doesn't get to talk to her. He doesn't get to do anything. So I thought it was just perfect for them to send him back. And that Bucky knew, oh, that was great. That was perfect. Uh, I didn't even realize that that line that they speak to each other is the same line from the first movie and it's just reversed. And I didn't realize that, but, uh, Oh man, that was, yeah, I got the sense that I, I got the sense that Bucky knew too. Oh yeah. Knew what was going on. And, uh, uh, didn't make it, but it was so, it was like a happy ending. It was like, it was bittersweet, you know, but peaceful. Uh, for cap yeah he's yes. it was something he deserved he deserved it he had done his work you know I, I think the way i justified a lot of like even if they didn't die the retirements a lot of these characters you know from what they from their from their standpoint they've 
done everything they can to stop the biggest threat until the next one presents itself. You know, it doesn't really, I felt like they just wrapped everything up so wonderfully, even though like, even with Nat and Bruce, you know, I think a lot of people, myself included, were hoping that they would get together. But at the same time, I think it makes the story so much stronger that they didn't and that she had, you know, her sacrifice really meant something. And it was so, you know, watching him find that out was just in of itself, like watching her die twice. You know, it was like, it was, it was hard. It was really, really hard. So yeah, I think, and and when you spoke about, um, you know, new versus old Nebula, like we saw so much development just in those scenes with her and Tony at the beginning, you know, from her like swatting away the football to her hoisting him up and making him comfortable and trying to, trying to console him in a way and, and just her consoling rocket. We've seen a lot of character development with her. So I'm, I'm happy that she stuck around. I'm going to go with a non-death first okay. because I for <laughs> sure thought that Captain America was going to die. Yeah. Like I thought that, you know, if you read the comic, Thanos kills him. I thought that he was going to make the ultimate sacrifice, but I was satisfied that it happened this way. Like that he had a happily ever after giving, you know, giving the shield up, the Falcon, uh, that shot where he's holding the shield and there's a wedding ring and how the movie essentially ended with him slowing, slow dancing with Peggy. I thought that was beautiful. Iron Man has always been my road dog from the beginning. Like he went from this narcissistic jerk to really realizing that he had a purpose to, you know, this whole arc throughout the entire MCU mentor to Peter, uh, being so scared that he has the, you know, Sokovia Accords and kind of being an Oz or Cap. And then with this movie, you know, seeing his father in the past and kind of, you know, making amends with that, making amends with Cap. So it was awesome because it was a full circle moment for him. So him dying was, and the way he died, like just being selfish. And like what Katie said when he said, you know, I am Iron Man. For me, like that was the best thing about one of the best things about the movie. I did not see Nat dying. I don't think any of us. I don't think any of us did. No. <laughs> you know, especially like, uh, you know, she's supposed to have a standalone movie. I guess it's going to be a prequel now. Yeah, that's what I had to assume as well too. <laughs> I really, honestly, and I know this sounds. I don't mean this in a vindictive way. I think that they need to keep her dead. I don't want them to undo like how much I just utterly fell in love with her character all over again in this movie. Like uh, I think Katie mentioned, you know, that she was just, she gave the performance of her career as far as the MCU. And in my, in my opinion, you know, her career within the MCU, this was the performance of a lifetime for that. And um, I just didn't see it coming at all. And uh, yeah, that was rough. Yeah. There's like, Two things that happened that, like, going to Nat, um, with Hulk wearing the Infinity Gauntlet, he's like, I wished, I guess I wished for her to come back he and tried. it didn't happen. I tried and it didn't happen. And then Clint is having a conversation with uh, Scarlet Witch and he's like, you know, I wish she knew, you know, how much, you know, there. and she's like, she knows. And then they're talking about Vision and he's like, yeah, he knows too. It's in a weird way. Like I said, like you said, like, I hope it doesn't happen in a weird way. It kind of leaves. I thought it left like the door open for that. 
So yeah. I, yeah, like, so I'm like, oh, all right, well, maybe in some other timeline, you know, Nat they're is, doing something. Yeah, yeah, and Nat is back somewhere. You know, yeah. I, I, I would imagine her film is going to be a prequel. And I, I honestly would rather see that because I want to see her early spy days and like getting recruited by S.H.I.E.L.D. and maybe some more Hawkeye. Like it opens up a lot of possibilities, especially like we might also get Young Fury again. It's already worked so well in Captain Marvel. I wouldn't be opposed to Young Fury again, but I'm selfish. It's just like selfish reason. <laughs> I'd love <laughs> it to be, a pre- to be a prequel, but I'm just glad that she's getting a movie and she's yeah. well-deserved and... Uh, I think especially after this, people are going to be extra hyped on her character. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's a good time. And I think Marvel really knows what they're doing here. And I, I, fingers crossed it, it, it continues. <laughs> well, no, I think it'd be cool to have, you know, a movie that's just kind of her doing the espionage thing. Yeah. And not really, like, necessarily about, like, powers and stuff like that. Just her doing right. her spy thing. Yeah. So, like, yeah, but... Overall, deaths. I, I thought they hit the right beats. I know in Infinity War, we you know we lost uh, Vision, we lost Loki, Heimdall. Yeah, Heimdall. Yeah, that was kind of sad. So yeah, I think you know going forward and us needing kind of like new leaders. Like, unfortunately, Iron Man had to go. Captain America, you know, had to walk off into the sunset and stuff. But yeah, I think it definitely hit the emotional beats and brought these characters full circle. Yeah, I went into this thinking that for sure Tony and Cap would die. And while that was kind of true, because, you know, Cap is just going to die of old age eventually, and it looks like pretty soon based on how much they aged him up in this. And, you know, I wasn't totally sure how Tony would die, but Nat's death surprised me the most. And what I like is that they really earned that death, in my opinion. And as someone who wasn't necessarily a fan of how they handled the character in Age of Ultron, I think they redeemed her so much in this movie. And, you know, like you have all been saying, this was her big moment and it totally worked and paid off not only for the character, but for the story. And MJ, you mentioned the Infinity War deaths and, you know, we see Gamora in this, but we see a past version of her. But I think because the past is still the past, you know, Thanos still snapped half the people out of existence. To me, that means Gamora still has to be dead, even though she shows up in this in a different form, because they couldn't bring Nat back. So I don't see how they possibly bring Gamora back other than the whole alternate timeline Gamora being back. So that's something that I think will be interesting to see but what i like the most is that they didn't completely overdo it on the deaths they didn't kill off the entire original avengers and if they had done that i think one a lot of people would have been very very upset because that would have been it would have felt excessive and they didn't go that route which makes me think you know that even though we probably won't see a lot of them again we're more understanding of why we wouldn't see them again. It's not necessarily because they die. You know, Cap wanted to grow old with Peggy, and we all wanted that for him. You know, Professor Hulk is probably going to go do his professor things. <laughs> and you teach a little college, you know, be a university <laughs> professor. Yeah, or do like, <laughs> like a research school. lab kind of thing and sort of just yeah. maybe do what like Hank Pym was doing 
in his old age and everything like that. And, you know, he's still around. (laughs) So, you know, we still have plenty of characters who are still around and could potentially pop back in in future movies as needed or something like that. And I think that was a good move. But for the most part, it was Nat's death that surprised me. But Katie, I'm glad you brought up Nebula because Nebula, I believe at this point, is more machine than not. So, you know, I think her killing her old self didn't necessarily need to kill the new version of her because she is mostly mechanical at this point, if I'm not mistaken. So it was definitely a little tricky with that one, but time travel always is. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. That's like some Terminator stuff, I feel like. Like (laughs) Going back and killing like the machine version or whatever, and it doesn't try, yeah. Yeah, but speaking of old Captain America, what did you all think of his decision as to who would take his mantle after he, you know, goes back and lives out his days with Peggy? I'm honestly perfectly fine with the choice of Falcon. Um, And I think most readers of the source materials would be too. uh, A piece of me... Had the only reason, and I will say this: the only piece of me that had hoped it would be Bucky was since he and Steve had spent more time together. But then, when you really start to look at it, and I also would have liked to see just Bucky in general trade guns for a shield. It would have been a little nice, you know, thing. But the thing that that I like the most, and that really makes sense with Falcon, is a it gives him lots more space to grow with the character. But then also, if you think about Steve and Sam, their moral compasses were already really closely aligned as, you know, evidenced by Steve taking part in the decimated support group as kind of a callback to Sam Wilson, him, you know, urging him and Winter Soldier to join part in his veteran support group. And, and yeah, they really, it's, it's easy to forget that. And, uh, I think it's going to be interesting watching him and I, I'm really curious to see, how this impacts what not just how he will act, but also look uh, in the Winter Soldier Falcon, you know, at Disney Plus show that's coming and then in future movies. So I think I, I was really I was just happy that they did that. I'm just happy that someone actually did get to pass. They did pass it and it did actually go to someone that was in, you know, in the comics. So I think that was also, once again, another great nod to people who enjoy the comics or any any of the source material. Yeah, I think I totally agree that Bucky, while it would have been cool to see him, I don't think Bucky has the same moral compass, like you said, of Sam and Cap. They are very similar people who lived, you know, different, but more similar lives than he and Bucky. Bucky is, I think, feels com- compromised. Like, he feels like he yeah. is a compromised person. He's he's a red ledger. He's like a red yeah. ledger, I guess. You know, it's like similar. He wouldn't be able to be the Captain America. He's far too, far too sad all the time for that. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas Falcon is just perfect to take on the role and has all that experience to draw on of spending time with Cap and learning from him. The only question I have about it is, is he going to go super soldier now? Because he's just a dude with a flying suit. <laughs> like, he kind of yeah. needs, if you're going to be Captain America, like, you got to have more than just the flying suit. So that's my question is how they're going to resolve that issue or if they're just going to brush it aside. 
Yeah, and, and just touching on that, that was kind of one of the reasons I would have liked to see Bucky as well, is just because you're like, oh, they're both like injected with the serum. It's like you know a trade for a trade. But I was really pleasantly, you know, I'm I, I'm I'm happy with Falcon doing it, and I'm definitely excited to see where they're going to take it. I completely agree, Marjani. What do you think? I was okay with it because in the comic, Falcon becomes Captain America, so right, it was pretty cool, and I know. When Falcon's talking to him, he's like, you know, the shield doesn't feel like it's mine. And, you know, Steve's like, it's okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I I chose you and whatnot. And going back to your guys' points, like, I feel that Bucky, yeah, Bucky's also compromised. So, like, I there might be a chance that he turns rogue again. So, I don't know if he could really be a Captain America. But I think the bond between, you know, Bucky and Steve is just kind of just, like, enough. So I was cool with it. It's going to be interesting to see how that show goes, because like you said, Falcon doesn't have super soldier serum. He is just a regular guy. So I don't know how he's going to really fight villains. Like I would assume like Red Skull or somebody like that. That's going to be very interesting to see how they handle that. But yeah, I was, I was satisfied. Yeah. I think one of my favorite parts of that, scene is actually when Bucky knows that it's going to be Sam and he sends Sam over there because he's sort of just like, you know what? It's this guy's time. You know, I have my own issues that maybe he still needs to sort out, even though I would imagine that spending all of that time in Wakanda sort of cleared his head of everything. Yeah. He was there for quite a while, just recovering and getting his new arm and you know, in a way, that arm is kind of like a shield already for him based on the true, Wakandan true. tech that was probably put in it. So I think it's a good move for the story going forward. We have seen quite a bit of Bucky and Sam, but I think Sam is sort of the one who has earned more screen time going forward, especially with taking over the Captain America mantle and just the passing of the torch being similar to how it was in the recent comics, which I have not read, you know, just full disclosure there. I do know quite a bit about the comics, but it doesn't mean I've necessarily read them all. And I just thought this was a really nice moment to let us all know, you know, this is what Cap wants. You know, he has made his decision. And even though he will always stick with Bucky, he knew that it had to be Sam who took over that mantle. I know we have talked about quite a few scenes here in specific, but I want to dive on into some of our favorite moments from this movie because there are a lot of moments in this movie. So, you know, hmm. this is something we don't necessarily need to do a deep dive on, but I'm just curious right. if we all sort of had some scenes that we all loved or if there's a big variety here because there were so many scenes in this. So a personal favorite for my list is uh, Ant-Man reuniting with his daughter five years later and what feels like five hours to him. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, uh, I feel like I'm one of the few people who holds Ant-Man and the sequel in such high regard. I, I'm, I'm constantly just like acting shocked when people are like, Oh, you know, he's not my favorite. 
And I, I just think he's so wonderful. And so this was just a touching scene to watch play out. Him saying, you're so big seems to be a reference or potential foreshadowing to her becoming the hero's stature like in the comics. I would I, I would hope to see this explored in a third Ant-Man film. I really hope we just get another Ant-Man film every time. When, I, when we got announced a sequel, I was so happy. And it would be great to watch Scott, Cassie, and Hope all suit up. And kind of like some sort of, you know, pseudo family third movie would be kind of neat. Yeah. Uh, and then and then the other scene that I wrote down was Thor explaining the reality stone in character as the dude attempting to make sense in general of the Thor Dark World plot <laughs> and its place in its place in all of this. Uh, it was nice to watch Rene Russo single handedly boost Thor's morale when everyone else had been more or less sympathetic to his transfer. You know, they, they had not been sympathetic at all to his transformation or his feelings. And his mom really just comes in and saves the day. And I think she was fairly underutilized in other films. So this was really nice to see Rene Russo get a good chunk of impressive dialogue in this one. Uh, but yeah, it was just also really funny to take what I consider. It's literally my least favorite Marvel movie is dark world. And I'm, you know, now learning what I've learned recently, I would have loved to see what a Patty Jenkins Dark World would have looked like. You and me both. <laughs> All four of us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody here. <laughs> I didn't even realize that that was the case until recently. And now knowing that, I'm like, oh, man, Marvel really shit the bed on that one. No wonder Natalie Portman doesn't want to play in your movie anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think I do believe that her stuff was not, I don't think she was on set. I think that they just used role from dark world but she was at the premiere so it seems like they've more or less you know mended the fences in some way but yeah those were those were my favorite scenes yeah i i thought the ant-man stuff was so powerful in the beginning and it the my favorite sad scene i guess we'll call it is when he realizes something has gone wrong and he goes and finds that monument and he's just running oh. and trying to find his daughter and to make sure she's not there and then finds himself like it that was so well done and i personally am not i i am one of those people who ant-man is not my favorite which is fine it's just fine i love paul rudd and i love san francisco so ultimately <laughs> just have to put that out there but yes yeah i totally understand sorry go ahead no it's totally fine they gave him the opportunity to do some real good acting in this and to kind of take his character to a place that it doesn't usually go you know his movies are pretty light and fun yeah. and funny and there's not a whole lot of emotional stakes to them like this like we don't get to see him like this before and he knocks it out of the park i thought and i enjoyed that final scene with on the ship with the guardians and thor mm. i loved that i i loved what they did with thor in this that they make him a very flawed human being and he physically changes you know he becomes an alcoholic he is someone who's been very emotionally damaged by the infinity war and that he finds his he finds his lost mojo again and comes back into it and we get to see that happy smiling thor again at the end was just a delight and that chris pratt thinks that he's the leader <laughs> that thor can be there <laughs> and also that, 
It's quite good for me. Wrong Chris. There's there's only one right Chris, and it's not Chris Pratt. <laughs> that whole exchange was just wonderful, and just him saying, as Guardians of the Galaxy, is not something I knew I needed until I heard the words uttered. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what did you think, Marjani? I thought the first time that Peter and Tony see each other again, that was awesome, because yes. I know how... Uh, Tony felt so bad and so guilty, even though he has his own daughter, like he looks at Peter as a son and like, Peter's like, it's, you know, it's been five years. He was trying to like talk to him like during a battle, but like, it was so good to see them together. I love that when they, uh, when they first go to see, <laughs> see Thor and Rocket Records, like what the hell? And then you see Korg back. Yes. Oh, thank God. <laughs> And they're like playing video games and whatnot. And like Thor is out of shape. That was funny. Um, and I guess my favorite sad scene is, I guess, the funeral. And there's a when they kind of like, you know, lay the wreath out to the lake. And, we're the, you know, the first thing, you know, Tony Stark has a heart. The camera pans and you see kind of everybody. You see Maria Hill. You see, you know, uh, Nick Fury. You see like all this history of kind of like these movies and it was like oh wow like we've really been here for like 11 years and we've really grown and up with these characters and seen them kind of like formulate to who they are now so i thought that was pretty good yeah even the uh even the ty simpkins cameo that no none of my other friends recognize yeah the kid yeah. <laughs> i love that i only knew that I only knew that because I had read it and, you know, one of the – that he had shown up on IMDb even I think before – I think it was like right after Infinity War had come out. And so I knew that they were going to include him in some way. And I had – everyone was scratching their head in my screen except for me. <laughs> that was that kid? Yeah. That yeah. was the kid yeah. from yeah, Iron Man was, 3? Oh, yeah. Awesome. I didn't know that was him either. Yeah, he's gr- he's done some growing up. <laughs> a little um, bit. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm sorry to, to interject, but yeah, that, that scene was, uh, wow, it was so tough. <laughs> oh, yeah, the uh, the happy Morgan Cheeseburger scene. Oh, yeah. man. Like, it, it went back to, like, the first Iron Man where, like, he gets back and he's like, the first thing I want is a cheeseburger. <laughs> Let's get the cheeseburger. And then, like, he's asking Morgan, he's like, you like I'll get all the cheeseburgers you want. I'm like, wow, that's... That's really sad. Yeah, I'm glad that we're getting a continuation of some of these characters in Spider-Man and stuff. And the, yeah. you know, the the door is open for so many things. But yeah, it was that was tough. Yeah, for me, one of the scenes that really stood out was between Tony and Pepper when he has figured out the whole time travel thing, and you can tell that she is so used to him having to run off and save the world that even though those five years have been nice for the two of them. And they sort of just get to lay low, enjoy the family life. Immediately, she's like, you have to do this, you know? And I think it's because of that connection they established between him and Peter. It was one of those things where Peter was sort of like Tony's first kid, basically. (laughs) And that relationship was just so strong that, Marjani, I agree with you, you know, that reunion between those two characters was a really great moment, but it's Pepper pushing him to just go and do this, or really sort of giving him permission to go and do it, because we all know that Tony kind of does what he wants anyway. And Tony's main stipulation is that, you know, I will not lose my family. 
so that this can happen. You know, we have to find a way to keep it all intact. And he does that, even though he sort of brushes off Scott's idea at first. It's like, you know, Scott might not be the brightest person, but there is some truth to what he's saying. And I just really like that moment between him and Pepper where they're both sort of in agreement that this is a thing that needs to happen, even if it needs to happen a little reluctantly, because in the end, you can tell that Tony knows exactly what he has to do as soon as Dr. Strange puts up that one finger. And in that moment, we all know what Tony has to do. So, you know, I really like that moment just because there have been so many Tony and Pepper moments over the years, but I think that was sort of the crux of their relationship just in that one scene right there without him being too over the top about anything like he was in some of the Iron Man movies, like going all off the rails and everything like that. It was a very civilized conversation between the two. Yeah. And, you know, I just think it worked so well. And as far as, you know, the sad moments, there were a lot of them, but it definitely, for me, was the Natasha and Clint scene. Just that whole scene there where you know there's no way that Natasha is going to let Clint sacrifice himself because she knows deep down that this is going to work and he's going to get his family back. Yeah. Oh, God, that was... <laughs> I think that's what made it so tough, too, is like 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 we talked about earlier, they truly love each other. They're such good friends that... It, it couldn't have gone any other way, right? When they showed up on Vormir, I was like, you know, they're not going to foreshadow him losing his whole family and then not have him get to see them again. And, you know, Natasha's family was Clint um, and, and the rest of them. So that was, yeah, uh, that was, there's so much, so many sad and, you know, bittersweet moments in this whole film. Yeah, uh, just to kind of touch on like the Pepper and Tony thing. There was one thing that he mentioned. He's like, okay, we're going to do this, but to bring back what we lost in the past, but I want to keep what I have right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no. Is he going to, is he cursing himself? <laughs> like, yeah. is he going to lose? Is either he going to lose stuff or they're going to lose him? So I'm like, oh, no. Oh, something's going to happen here. Something's going to go wrong. But yeah, he ended up sacrificing himself. Yeah. Going wrong was going right. Or according yeah. to plan at this in this case, but yeah, it was um, yeah. You're right. That scene where he's talking to them and he's talking about the Deutsch proposition and all of these other things, and <laughs> he says he's like, I, I think I think when he when he shows up and then he says, okay, like like we try and get back what we lost, but I can't lose what I've gained. What I got, yep. Yeah, like it was something to that measure, like what I've gained in these five years, and that was yeah, that was a great line. It seems like. We all really, really enjoyed this movie. So were there any issues that came up while you were watching this? And ultimately, was this a satisfying ending for this ginormous saga over the last 11 years, pretty much now, of movies? I'll run through mine really, really fast. Uh, no major issues. The second act had some gags that I felt went on a bit much like the Captain America butt gag. <laughs> I thought it was silly when Ant-Man said it. And then when Captain said it, it was just kind of like made me roll my eyes a bit, but didn't really like it was still silly. Um, I knew people in our screening who just loved that joke. And 
I, I did enjoy Captain saying I could do this all day, I guess, out of that bit. I thought that was and him getting annoyed by it. And then uh, one, one, the biggest glaring issue I had, and I it, it will be fixed, I believe, is Peter Parker reuniting with all his friends at the end, yet none of them have aged five years. And, and I think still that in this high is school. something. <laughs> yeah, and they're still in high yes. school. But I think that this is honestly something that could be resolved with one line of dialogue. And it's, you know, when Far From Home comes out in July, the, the logical conclusion, the only one that I can arrive at, at least is that all the core kids that we revisit from homecoming have just returned from being dusted as well they're picking up where their schooling left off however they're finishing up with kids who were five years younger when they were dusted and that this group includes peter ned mj flash thompson etc but you know if they ignore this in far from home it will be a missed opportunity for either you know, a quick joke or even some more serious character development and a relatable traumatic event for these characters to bond over and just other little time travel things that I had questions about, but for the sake of being a comic book fantasy movie, I'm fine with just giving these all a pass. The scene between Bruce Banner and the Ancient One served as a purpose in resolving a lot of those branch theories. But overall, those were really my only minor issues with the movie. Yeah, I have to see it again, and then I might be able to pick out some more. But in general, I was thoroughly impressed with how this, how it all went. And I I did totally agree that Spider-Man moment. I was like, wait a second. Wait, is Ned not, what? So <laughs> it was just very confusing. But, you know, I then moved along. And then some of the gags just did not work for me either. Uh, the thing in the... Ant-Man getting his signature, getting the signature. Oh, you want to take a picture or picture? Take a picture uh, with me too. <laughs> I was just like, okay, too long. It's either. It did not- go too long. It did go too long. It's either too long or not long enough. Like in the rules of comedy, like you either have to hit it again and again and again, and then it'll finally get funny. Or maybe that joke just doesn't have that life in it, and you only make it a couple times. Just to to add to what you said about that, I thought I, I thought that the punchline was really more him saying "get the hell out of here." Like he said something at the end that was like had a little bit of a curse in it, and I thought it was kind of funny. Oh, I think he said "take the goddamn phone." Yes. Yeah, he's like "take the goddamn phone," and I yes. thought that was so funny. But yeah, you're like the whole thing. It went on a little long, but I did kind of chuckle out of that scene. I did. I think the overall, you know, what the joke was trying to be was funny. But yeah, you're right. It did go a little long. (laughs) I'm not sure how I felt about the effects work with Bruce Banner and Hulk. That I just kept, it didn't look quite right to me all of the whole time. As Professor Hulk? Yeah. Okay. Not, Not in him being that character, but like the effects of making him that character felt like that didn't quite work because in Ragnarok, you know, Hulk looks very real and very Hulk and he fits in with everything. Whereas in this, it felt like the, maybe it was just a much brighter movie and it's (laughs) because Ragnarok is pretty saturated uh, and this is not. So I, maybe that was why, but I felt Something was just a little off visually whenever uh, Banner is on screen. But other than that, I was happy. I thought it was funny that you mentioned that, though, but just because when he shows up to new Asgard and Valkyrie looks at him and she says, you know, I think I liked you either of the other two ways. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Just when you're talking about that, it reminded me of that line. Yes, and Tessa Thompson. (laughs) So good in this. I could also have used more Tessa Thompson. Oh, yeah. I think all of us could. Yeah. All more Tessa Thompson. Let's give her her own movie now. 
A force. For me, it was it was the, some of the uh, the time jump time machine stuff. But I was doing in my brain, I was doing what they said they weren't going to do because they had mentioned like you know movies like you know uh, Back to the Future and Terminator and Professor Hulk's like it's not like that. Like it's not like so. It was clear that they were making their own rules, and I think watching it a second time, I was like, okay, like I kind of, I kind of get it now, especially with, you know, uh, Bruce Banner talking to the Ancient One. Like I was, I was puzzled when I'm like, well, should Nebula exist in this realm? But you know, kind of like, like thinking about it and kind of like looking at some theories of like, okay, well, this could work, and it actually opens doors for where we can go in the cosmic realm. Um, other than maybe a couple jokes that kind of ran on too long, like you guys said, uh, no, I thought it was, this is pretty good. Like it's for the Russo brothers to kind of some uh, 22 movie journey and one movie that went three hours that could have been five or six is a pretty damn good job. Like, I, I don't think, I think some people like don't realize like how hard that is. And everybody who, kind of got their moment here and there. So like, other than that, yeah, I thought it was a success. Yeah. And I liked how they wrapped it up. All those threads pulled together so well. Yeah, it was definitely a satisfying ending. And I do think some of the gags went on a little too long. Like by the end, I was a little tired of all the shots of Thor's stomach, regardless of whether he was wearing a shirt or not. I was like, okay. Yeah, they really right. made like Thor look like the dude. <laughs> yeah. One of my friends said that he was like improperly balanced, like he didn't even look like a real person's body, <laughs> just because he had like a strong upper torso. And but I love, I love when I'm mean, doing wrong. I'm not a fan of like it, fat jokes are like very hard to make, you know. And I don't know, it's a very touchy subject, obviously. Right. And I thought that they tried to handle it as delicately as they could. Uh, like, you know, down to his mom telling him to eat a salad. I thought that was kind of endearing, you know, it was his mom. You know, I feel yeah, like that's like the one person advice. that can get away with saying that. Um, but where Rocket, I have to admit, I did kind of chuckle when Rocket called him when he said he looked like melted ice cream. <laughs> I, thought that was a, I thought that was a really funny line. Rocket but, does not hold yeah. back. So, you know, you no, could... he doesn't hold back. So he gets a pass. He gets a pass. Yeah, I think that was really that and like you mentioned with the Scott Lang gag earlier, those were sort of the two that I was like, you know what, maybe these went on a little too long and they won't age well upon multiple viewings, but they're things that I was willing to let slide because of everything that this movie was able to accomplish by the end of it. And, you know, the high school thing for Peter, I wasn't paying too close attention. I almost thought they could have moved on to college by then because Peter's clearly smart enough. Does he really need to finish high school? Probably right. not. But I was told that it was definitely still high school. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how they sort of fix that. And Far From Home is technically going to be like the last movie of this phase. So I think it's definitely something they'll fix in that movie, at least hopefully, because otherwise they really screwed up the whole time travel thing. <laughs> this going to be weird. I feel like they'd be really, really doing themselves like, because they're obviously it's Disney at this point, I guess Sony too, but you know what I mean? Like they're reading stuff. I mean, that's like one thing that I keep seeing people bring up everywhere. And so it's so easy to fix it with a line of dialogue, even if they have to go on set for one day or just record it in a studio somewhere later, 
you know, it's something that's so easy to fix, you know, at least in my opinion, it just, like I said, the logical thing is just say they all got dusted and they're all repeating the end of the year that they were at when they got dusted. So, well, they can't tell Tom Holland because he'll spoil it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. He, he should not be given any information. <laughs> they said that, I think I read that he like only got his lines pretty much for Infinity War and Endgame. And yeah. That was it. That that sounds accurate. <laughs> he didn't know who he'd be interacting with. Yeah. Yeah. So where does this rank for all of us? For me personally, I I I was thinking about the day I have a, I actually started a letterbox account when I did my Captain Marvel uh summary with a friend recently and I put this as like number four in my top five, and that top five includes Iron Man will always be just I, I hold it and so it's like trying to rank all of the Pixar movies with Toy Story in the mix. You know, it's just really hard. And I always put Iron Man just because it got me into the genre and really just opened up everything. But I also include in that top five uh, Winter Soldier, I think, is my number two. Uh, Number three, I believe, is the first Avengers. And then I put this one at number four, followed by Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. So that's it's kind of where it ranks. I think this is definitely in my top five. My number one all time is Ragnarok. That is my favorite Marvel movie. I think it's great for so many reasons. Um, And then Winter Soldier is also my number two. I think that that's the one that got the Russo brothers into this whole crazy game. And they deliver so well with this and with Infinity War, in my opinion. And I think this is probably number three for me, just with how it all comes together. But it'll change depending on what mood I'm in. (laughs) Same, same. top five, definitely. Yeah, for me, thinking about it, it's definitely in my top five. Uh, I definitely have Ragnarok up there. Uh, I love that movie. Civil War and Winter Soldier are up there for me. And yeah, and Iron Man too. So it would definitely be four or five for me. And like Katie said, like depending on the day, it could it could change. But those five are definitely in the mix in my top five. It's hard to leave Ragnarok out of there for me personally. Trust me, that was a real... It, it, I've reorganized this list so many times since starting it a few months ago. It's in, it's insanity, but yeah, it's tough. Whenever people tell me they haven't watched Thor Ragnarok, I'm just like, well, whenever people tell me they've watched Thor Ragnarok, loved it, but haven't seen what we do in the shadows, is when I get especially salty. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, no, you're going right now, and we're going to sit down and you're going to watch it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm in agreement that this is top five for me. I hate ranking things, though. So (laughs) it's one of those things where I would probably put it in like the four spot right now. And Winter Soldier is like top tier for me. Although Letterboxd is telling me that based on how I rated these movies, that Endgame would be number two. (laughs) So I I don't I don't know if I agree with that. I haven't rated any of mine yet. Now I got it. Now you reminded me I gotta go rate these. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's one of those things where I would have to do a complete rewatch of most things, not not the first two Thor movies, because Katie and I just discussed those and I don't need to do that again. (laughs) But Or Incredible or Incredible Hulk. Why put yourself in that? Yeah, or Incredible Hulk. Yeah. No Hulk. That's my bottom. That is will always be the, the worst one for me. Hulk is yeah. You know what? I think Hulk is at the bottom of mine too. Uh, yeah, it goes twenty one. Incredible Hulk, Thor, Dark World, twenty two. <laughs> yeah. Poor Edward Norton. Oops. Well, if he hadn't gotten his hands in it and rewritten the script to make it 
in his mind been, better, maybe yeah. we wouldn't call it the worst. Been all <laughs> Edward Norton-y. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the last questions before we dive into our final thoughts on the movie is, what was your viewing experience like? The general atmosphere of the crowd? Did you have any, you know, babies crying in your <laughs> screening or anything like that? <laughs> Luckily for me, um, I've always been extremely fortunate to, for the blockbusters at least, be able to see them very first screening opening night, which is, you know, ends up here. It was a Thursday at five o'clock for a fan screening at the Alamo Draft House. Shouts to Alamo Draft House. I'm a huge fan. Um, nice. I. We we tried actually for this one to get uh, tickets to the IMAX first screening, but a tech company bought out the entire screening, the very first one. I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> um, so we ended up going to Alamo, but I like collecting all the Mondo pint glass and pins that they make in the birth movies death magazine that they put out. So I was thrilled that it got to be the Alamo. And they also just, they aren't really about showing ads. They show really funny YouTube content, but for that very reason, coupled with the fact that there's usually a lot of adults since they serve alcohol to the seats, it was just a crazy screening. Everyone was loving it. All the reveals, like I said, of this movie was just fan service from beginning to end. Um, scenes like where everyone shows up at the end, especially for me, seeing Rescue was such a big deal. And I know a lot of people in our theater really enjoyed that. So, yeah, the, you know, it's understandably so for a screening like that where you have all the diehards of the diehards it's it's gonna be really intense see and i had the opposite because like i said when i go to a press screening and there's and this was an actual like the only people there were press usually Mm -hmm, when they do them they're uh other people like you win tickets on a on the radio or something like that they didn't do that for this one I know. <laughs> they did that one. Oh, they did. I didn't yeah. get I, we didn't have any in San Francisco. I I tried so hard to find <laughs> any cuz we did it. We do it for all the movies. We'll sign up for all the contests. I'll ask all my friends to try and sign me up. And yeah, I know what you mean the where the press gets the first, you know, the the the, yep. the good custom seats and then everyone else kind of fills in the spots around them. Those are fun. Yes. So here they ha- I think they had one Tuesday night, but cuz I saw it Tuesday afternoon, mm-hmm. but this one was just a press screening and they do those and those are usually attended by between 10 to 20 people right Mm. this theater was packed and it was not and you can usually bring a plus one i brought my husband and lucky dude (laughs) yeah he was he was like well i'm taking the day off for that you definitely i was like well you better get home at this time so we can go like i left it i left my work (laughs) in a meeting i told my boss I had planned this, taken the time, and I told my boss, I was like, I might have to leave during the meeting. I have to get there on time. <laughs> kind of seeing, like, kind of seeing Endgame early, no big. Right. Well, <laughs> she knows I, I write and stuff. And so, and sadly, nobody else on my on my work team gives a shit about it. So. <laughs> That's me at my like, office I'm so too. Oh, yeah. And everyone else is like, <laughs> I, I don't care what you're doing. But anyway, so. <laughs> The majority of the time, it was it's always dead silent. Like, nobody even laughs. It's all very, hmm, we are sitting watching this movie very professionally. <laughs> and this one had a little bit of that. And usually I'm the loudest one in the theater, gasping and crying and whatever. So I'm really excited to see it with an actual audience. And I think we're going next week. I was going to try to go today, but it didn't work out. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it with a group of people who are all invested in it, as opposed to just, we're here because we work. So 
Well, for me, uh, Deanna knows uh, the struggle with tickets that I had <laughs> when they went on sale yes. because it was like the Hunger Games where yep. we were trying, where like. And AMC died. <laughs> yeah. AMC yeah. at dies, Fandango dies. It's like everything died. And my friend actually got in and got us three tickets for the, for the Thursday uh, showing for IMAX. So we were like, all right, dope. Yeah. Uh, we had to be there at least an hour before because they were lining people up. And then we had gotten there so early that we just kind of went into the theater and just like sat down and got like our <laughs> got seats. It was pretty cool. There were, there was like a lady sitting next to us. And once, you know, uh, Tony dies, she's straight, she's like straight up bawling, crying. Oh no. Like, like, fountain of tears and like my friend was like dude you have a napkin i was like why and we look over and she's just bawling he's like here just have this uh it was pretty cool because like with all the high moments everybody's like and then like when it got quiet everybody kind of like quiet down and like just watched it it was like with movies like that it's always fun to like watch it with invested people because you know it enhances the experience sometimes. So yeah, yeah, my, our theater experience is actually pretty good. And it's funny that you mentioned tickets. We had a group of us, four of us, on a group chat um, get up at four thirty in the morning the day the tickets went on sale, and we were hammering AMC's app, their website, yes. and we got basically those first. You know, we got, and I'm talking, we got a big old group together between. We had organized which rows we wanted, so between the four of us, we were able to get a group of 22 tickets, an entire row and a half at the Alamo Draft House in the center, and uh, we got tickets for the IMAX Friday showing, and you know, same deal. We had over 20 people for each show. It was an insanity, and uh, it was it was just so much fun, and you're right. When you go with those people who are invested in it, it just, it, it, the, the audience and, and the theater just become alive. And yeah, those are moments. And one of my favorite things is to find the reaction videos from like when Thor shows up in Infinity War and everyone goes nuts. Like there's like theater reaction videos that you can find that are really funny. Um, but that's it's just something to behold with a movie like this. Yeah. My friends here don't seem to like be as keen on trying to go to the movies like opening weekend necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> so I frequently go to the movies by myself, which I am perfectly fine with. I kind of like not Same. having to coordinate with people. So I went to this by myself and until I want to say late Thursday night or early Friday morning, the seat next to me was empty. It wasn't by the time I got there. <laughs> and so clearly this person had also gone by themselves and he just like kept looking over at me during the movie and I was like, why Why do you keep looking at me? And then he would look <laughs> at the person sitting to the right of him too because I was on an end seat because I was like, you know what? I don't really like crowds, but I know it's going to be crowded so I will at least have some breathing room <laughs> by getting an aisle yeah, seat. totally. You jinxed yourself because I remember you texting yeah, me. You're like, yeah. <laughs> the seat is open. The seat is still open. I'm like, oh boy. Yeah, I did jinx myself. And like the whole, I want to say the first two or three rows were completely empty because I went 9 a.m. on a Friday. So a lot of people oh, have to work wow. unless they take the day off, yeah. which clearly some people did. There was one baby that I heard in the theater. <laughs> I heard it briefly and 
then it was quiet the rest of the time because I was going to be very mad <laughs> if a baby just started crying. <laughs> that baby felt your vibes <laughs> across From the like theater. A, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and then there was someone who was like clearly sick or something who went because there was like this nasty phlegmy cough that kept happening Ugh. throughout the, the thing. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'll let it go. I will let it go because I'm so used to going by myself and half the time when I go, it's like a half empty theater because I have the luxury of going at random times in the middle of the week in the morning. <laughs> so right. it wasn't a bad experience overall. I was a little weirded out by the guy who kept looking around to see what other people were doing during the movie. But <laughs> other than that, I was like... He's like laughing. Laughing, he's like, ha ha! And then looks like, yeah, and it was weird because he wasn't really reacting to the movie too much. So I think he was like looking around to see how th the people next to him were reacting. I don't know. It was odd. But, you know, this lady wasn't completely bawling. But when Tony died, we did have a person who was audibly crying. She happened to be like the row in front and a seat over. So I was like, man, I really love how into this people get. You know, I, I was like quietly yeah. letting the tears come. But people were like into it. <laughs> yeah, that's how I am. I'm more of a quiet crier. Yeah, I'm more of a quiet crier, but they were definitely tears of flowing. Yeah. <laughs> both both screenings, even when you know it's coming, it just you can't you can't help it. And uh yeah, I also the, the other thing I love about the Alamo and the reason I like going to there for their first screen, not just because you obviously have like the diehards at any opening screening at any theater, but they also do this really cool Mondo pint glass and pins and stuff. So it's just, you know, it's fun for me to be able to go there and collect all the swag the night of. But yeah, it was, uh, I, I, I'm both showings that I went to, obviously the first being a little bit more crazy, but it was, people are really invested in this stuff. Yeah. And you, you, it's hard to remember that sometimes because I have a few friends that are into it and I can text them about it and we go crazy theorizing about everything. <laughs> And then everyone else is just like, I can't believe you care that much about something to see 22 films that are all the same. Yeah. And I'm just like, no, they're not all the same. No, yeah. definitely no, not. Only mo only some of them. <laughs> only the early couple. <laughs> yeah. Real quick, I want to definitely discuss the little post-credits sound. MJ, I know you said you didn't stay for the credits, but basically there was clanking metal and I heard it. Yeah, I heard about there's it. a little bit of a disagreement on whether or not it was a callback to Iron Man and him making the suit in that or if it was sort of, you know, Katie and I were texting about this, if it was a nod to Dr. Doom possibly coming in future stories. Oh, I hadn't heard that. I hadn't heard that one yet. That's that's a cool one. I would love that. But I just feel like we would have been shown a stinger. I do think it's probably that Iron Man clang, you know, he's, his film started the whole thing. But that's a really interesting uh, theory. That's I, I would I, love, I'd love that. to just see that character in general in the MCU at some point. Total credit to Katie for that one. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Well, I would love that because Dan, you know how much I love Doom, and you know how much I want him to be the next bad villain. So I yes. would love that. It would have to be someone big too. You know, we can't yeah, follow up Thanos with you know some random dude who like isn't really going to do much. It has to be like something like dr doom and then that leads into galactus or something like that i was about to say galactus was my th my choice but yeah dr doom also makes sense especially if we want you know i hate talking trash on those first in uh fantastic four movies but it, honestly it's still rather have something like that than what we got you know 
with the with the reboot recently, and I think there's a lot to be mined from that. And now Marvel has the ability, or Disney, I should say, has the ability to right a lot of wrongs yeah. with the properties <laughs> they own. See, I think it makes sense that because they're they didn't have time to do anything, right. they didn't have the rights to any of those characters until so recently. I was like, well, maybe that's a maybe that's why. And ultimately, I'm okay with it not... I mean, I was a little bummed, but I'm actually okay with it because that was one of the things my dad always says about the movies that he he likes, he enjoys the Marvel movies. He doesn't watch all of them, but he enjoys them enough to like check them out occasionally. And he says, every movie's just an advertisement for the next movie. Like, well, have you ever read comic books? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. I know you like watching Next Generation Star Trek. I mean, I guess that's more contained episodes, but things continue. That's how <laughs> things work. And uh, that, to me, was like actually kind of nice about not having them in this, was that it was kind of a little bit more finite or, you know, bookending. Yeah. You know. Well, I know... MJ, you are in a little more of a time crunch than the rest of us. So do you have any final thoughts on Endgame before we get into, you know, Spider-Man really wrapping things up and then what comes next? Listen, man, like the Russo brothers did a bang up job on this movie. Like, you know what I mean? They said that, you know, Infinity War was more, Thanos was the, you know, he was the main character. It was his movie. This movie I felt like was the hero's movie. Okay, how do we... You know what I mean? With the other movies, like the Avengers either fighting themselves, but when they weren't, it was like, okay, they won. You saw them have to bounce back from almost losing everything or losing a piece of themselves or even remembering things that they've lost and come together for like one last run in this iteration. And I thought, you know, with the monumental task in front of them, they did a really good job. It was a really satisfying ending to this infinity saga that we had that we've been invested in for almost 11 damn years i can't believe i still can't believe that like i've been with you know tony stark and captain america like i've been growing up with these characters for so long and it felt that the payoff with everything just felt worth it it just felt really worth it kind of like a saturday morning cartoon it was just like you know, the end of one thing, and now we yeah. kind of see where Marvel and Disney go with the next thing. Jonathan, any final thoughts on the movie from you? <sighs> I, mean, I, <laughs> I feel like M- MJ did a great job. Uh, I, I, I think that everyone will talk about the payoff, and I think the payoff was worth it. I think uh, they handled everything with such grace and respect to what it had come before it. Um. The Russo brothers really, you know, I, I, I really hope that Marvel does a good job securing them for our future, you know, future movies. It sounds like they're interested in lots of things that they want to do. And I don't see why Disney wouldn't just give them carte blanche to do whatever the hell they want now. Secret Wars. Yeah, I'm hoping for that. Yeah, Secret Wars. was that Wasn't that the one that they said that they really wanted to do? So I'm... Overall, I was just very happy. I felt like I said, like, they gave me the ending that I told myself I didn't want, but ended up loving, you know, Iron Man passing, you know, it was just like, I like a good movie, like good movies shock and surprise you and they they make you wonder what you think. And you're, you know, we're going to be thinking about this movie for a long time. It's funny between Infinity War and this one, you know, we spent the year anticipating what was coming next, but 
I feel like the next year is going to be me responding and reacting to this movie and dealing with, you know, what next, yeah. you know, not what happens to them. It's more like, where do we go from here? And so uh, they've done just such a great job setting that up. And uh, I am more excited than ever now, you know, and, and they really have big shoes to fill now. They have, they did such a good job with this, but I, I believe that Disney and Feige and all of them have a, you know, a big, big part in that and we're we're in good hands yeah and we will definitely do some speculation in a moment here because i know there's so so much on that front too but katie any final thoughts from you oh gosh i (laughs) so many thoughts (laughs) uh i really was impressed with this movie i i I was like 99 percent sure they were gonna pull it off because i saw i i saw what they were going for in infinity war like how they were wrapping things up story-wise like what how they were going to get there and i trusted them to be able to do this because like we saw their them come into this the russo brothers came into this with the winter soldier and that movie i maintain is where the mcu grows that's what really kicks off having a unique style to the films before that things had just kind of all been they hadn't really figured out what they wanted to do yet but then when winter soldier happens it really changes the dynamic of how they let these films be made and what they went for and watching it felt like reading the last book in a in a really great series i made the comparison on another podcast i did uh to harry potter for those of you who have read harry potter you know you especially if you were old enough to read them as they were coming out you read the last book and you're like oh my god it's all coming together they've been planning this forever and that's how i felt with endgame it was all these little tie-ins and all these little plot threads that had been some very conspicuously and some not dangling and now everything gets not all wrapped up in a neat bow it's a messy bow (laughs) but it's a good bow and it makes it it's a pretty bow. It is. It's a very pretty bow. And we still have, you know, it's 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 not the end, but it's the end of it's not the end of everything, but it's the end of something. And I don't think we'll get this from Marvel again. I think they will not go this particular route to tell their stories. I think they are going to try something new and branch out. So, I was just blown away and I was so happy that they managed to make make it work and give us something that we've all been hoping for for a long long time yeah it's one of those things where it's definitely the end of an era but the story is not over by any means so that wraps up our end game discussion so we're going to begin some speculation now MJ had a prior commitment so Jonathan and Katie are still here to go over a little bit of what could come next. And one of the things we already know that Marvel is working on are the shows for Disney+. And I think they are taking characters that we haven't necessarily seen a lot of in the MCU and giving them their own shows. We know about Wanda and Vision and their relationship, but we don't really have the proper amount of time to dive into that the way that they have done in the comics and things like that. And then you are getting, I believe, a Bucky and Falcon show. Falcon and Winter Soldier is, I believe, what it's called. Yep. Yeah. So we have a few of these sort of team-ups, so to speak. And 
I really feel like Falcon and Winter Soldier will be more like the buddy cop scenario, whereas WandaVision will be focusing on that relationship and those two characters. But I think in the grand scheme of things, we might not see, well, we definitely won't see Vision in future movies (laughs) because they definitely did not bring Vision back. And it'll just be nice to sort of get that additional content for those who want it. And at the price point that Disney Plus is starting at, they have my money already. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That was what what a killer announcement that was. Yeah. <laughs> $6.99 a month, 70 bucks for a year. It's like a total no brainer, especially for people like me. I buy all of the Marvel movies on digital on iTunes. But I just got 4K televisions in our house, and none of the Marvel movies, save for Spider-Man, because it's under Sony, are un- are in 4K on the iTunes side. You'd have to buy a Blu-ray 4K, uh, or sorry, 4K Blu-ray or DVD or whatever it's called. You would have to get that to get it in 4K now. And uh, so, you know, one service where I get most of their titles in 4K, hopefully, you know, uh, Pixar as well, that you got my money <laughs> easily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds so exciting. There's just going to be so much on there. And I- I'm intrigued to see how they're going to make these shows happen. Yeah, I'm really, I'm just curious, like the overall look. I believe that I read Feige had said something like they will have ramifications and character development that crosses over into the films as well. So, you know, they're definitely doing their best to say, give us all your money. You're not just like the films. You're not going to want to miss this. And hopefully a little bit more involved than the shows like Netflix and, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where even though they were good on their own, you know, they didn't quite tie into the universe, mm-hmm. nor could they. And now that they they also have a little bit less to work with and more to work with in the sense where they have new characters to introduce, but they have less of the old team to work with. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they carry it out, at least with the new original shows. I know that they had talked about as well, something called, I believe, what if where oh, yes. like one of the, yeah. Top, yeah. And I think one of them is the idea that Peggy becomes captain America and that Steve Rogers doesn't get the super serum. And I I'm excited to see that too. I just like content, anything, anything. Yeah. I think with the what if stories, those will be fun because they're typically one shots that just tell this fun story and they're longer. Yeah. They're not, you know, a, 20 22 page issue or anything i think for the most part they fall somewhere in the 30 to 40 range maybe as far as pages and they've done fun things like you know punisher kills the marvel universe (laughs) and things like that so (laughs) there's a lot of flexibility with that show in particular and it'll be interesting to see if they choose to use disney plus as a way to maybe introduce characters that they might want to put on the big screen at some point because based on what we've seen between the mcu and agents of shield they're willing to let their characters in the tv shows appear as their characters in the movies too they don't recast which i think has been one of those topics of conversation surrounding dc Mm. because of how many people watch the cw shows but then it's totally different people playing the same characters on the big screen and I think Marvel and Disney sort of have a better balance of that. But I do want to talk about where the actual MCU goes from here, because Katie, you touched on how you don't think they will necessarily go as 
big with a story. And I would really love to see these, you know, maybe three to five movie arcs where we get sort of more contained stories instead of doing a whole 20 plus movie story arc that everything just culminates in this huge ending because they already have people roped in. You know, they don't have to do too much more of that because they took these B and C list characters and made them A list characters with those movies because they didn't have the rights to their A list characters. And now they have some of those A list characters. So they shouldn't have to try too hard to, you know, do a story arc maybe with Doom or Galactus that is more focused on the Fantastic Four down the line. And we finally get, you know, a good version of those characters. Yeah, I agree. I think it'll be interesting because Feige is, yeah, like I think you said earlier, Feige has stated that what happens in these shows that they're making matters. So that puts, gives them a lot more options. And from what I've read that Feige has talked about is that he is planning to do something different because they've already done this big, big epic and now they can spread the net wider as it were. It can give us more stories about more people and allow the Marvel Universe to both get bigger with how much it's covering and smaller and telling small stories about individuals like some of the earlier films feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm excited for that. And, you know, a piece of me selfishly hopes that a new group will go under the name Avengers. But I am I think Katie, you'd either mentioned it or someone else had told me that they had hoped it would be like five years out, you know, not super soon. Like yeah. we've got we've got to build up new characters and get us caring about these new characters in smaller, intimate movies again. That was what Marvel did so wonderfully from the beginning was really getting us to care about these characters meeting and to do that we have to care about the characters on their own and so i think there's a lot of potential for that obviously with whatever they announce next and i hope that we do get i mean i do like the idea of it being like phase four you know going into phase four even if it's about a whole new group you know that's fine to me and and i don't know what the big bad threat will be a few years from now that requires some group of these individuals to team up, whether it's under the Avengers or whatnot. But I'm excited to see what they do. I think uh, what we know is coming is we have Black Panther 2. I believe that Scott Derrickson, the director of Doctor Strange, made it sound like he had got some work in on a new Doctor Strange movie. Yeah, he's set to direct. Yeah, I hope we get, like I said, selfishly hope we get another Ant-Man movie uh, just because of what they set up with the time jump and everything. I'm really excited about that. Uh, gosh, I mean, the, there's so, Eternals, which I don't even know about, but I think that that's pretty much being cast. I think Angelina Jolie has a role in that. And Kumail Nanjiani. Ah, that'll be great. I'm excited. Yep. I think he's in the new... Uh, the new Men in Black movie, and I suspect he's going to be an alien somehow. I, like I, I don't know what he's going to be, and I welcome anything he does because he's just a gem. Yes, um, but I, I could totally see him voicing an alien or doing something cool just because he's. And I think you know it's amazing how fast and 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 uh, you know impressive his career has been. And it's it's just so fun to watch him. Any anything he's in is just funny. So I'm I'm excited if he's going to be a part of the MCU. That's going to be great. Where everyone's going to benefit from that. But there's a lot of stuff. Admittedly, like I said, I'm very 
moderate comic book fan. Like I enjoy it more now and I've started reading it more now, but I don't have a lot of the history associated with a lot of the people that go to these films being, I was into X-Men comics as a kid. I was loved the X-Men, the early X-Men movies, even though I didn't really have a lot to compare them to at the time. And yeah, I'm sure that it, it, Katie, it sounds like, uh, you know, a bunch about this stuff that <laughs> you can lend, you can lend your expertise to. I'm curious to hear what you think is coming next. Oh, I read lots and lots and lots <laughs> about it because I am fascinated and like, especially because I'm a huge X fan as well. So I know that they haven't announced anything with that, of course, right. because that's, right all uh, new for them but they have cast the Eternals a little bit and Chloe Zhao is directing it and that is super exciting. What else has she done? Uh, she did this really small documentary uh, called, I think it's called The Rider um, and she's got a lot of award recognition for it last year. She's kind of uh, she's been, finally they've been offering up and coming woman director as they like to do in Marvel universe with men. So <laughs> she's a very emotional filmmaker. Like her, her films have lots of emotion and depth to them. So, and she's very involved in how it all gets put together. And so I'm excited to see what she can bring, especially since I don't know very much about the Eternals. I think most people don't because it yeah. was something that yeah. Jack Kirby started. And I don't think he ever really finished his work on it before going over to DC and working on the new gods. Okay. But I was reading up on it a little and the gist of it is that the Eternals were supposed to be the protectors of Earth. But in this version of events, obviously, that was the Avengers. So I think because they've already sort of established the idea of space within the MCU, thanks to Guardians of the Galaxy and now Captain Marvel, that opened things up for them to explore more of these Avenger-like characters, I guess, within space. You know, we're obviously probably going to get Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 now, since they have fixed that whole situation. Oh, it is. It's okay. Yeah, it's happening. They've announced it. James got brought back. Thank God. Um, I'm really happy that, that, you know, everyone could kind of come to their senses collectively on that one um, yeah. and get him back. Cause I was honestly, I can't believe even just saying this and, you know, but it made my weekend getting that news <laughs> that he had been brought back. Cause I thought it was just, it had, you know, once again, just sounded just hearing also the Patty Jenkins story. Like it sounds like they've got a few, but bad screw ups in their history and uh, I was not looking forward to another one. And, you know, obviously Guardians is James and James is Guardians. It's, you know, just everything down to that open cast letter. So I'm glad that Guardians is happening. Um, that's another one I should have mentioned. We know Guardians 3 is coming. So uh, after yes. Suicide Squad 2. Well, and the other thing we they we haven't talked about yet is Shang-Chi. Yeah. yeah. They've announced, who I also know nothing about same. that one is definitely <laughs> yeah, definitely forthcoming so i'm interested in that they'll finally give you know this will be their first big asian superhero yeah. and i have heard talk that they are going to be introducing um a queer character yeah superhero soon okay so that is also very exciting but i i don't think they've given us any info about who or who it is or when they will make an appearance. I think for me, I will be doing a lot of Marvel Unlimited reading to sort of get up to yeah, speed yeah. on the Eternals and just some of the potential storylines that they could cover going forward. And I know we also want to talk about 
you know, getting more films under the Avengers name. And A-Force immediately came to mind when they have that shot with Captain Marvel holding the gauntlet and all of the women just come to make sure she gets the gauntlet where it needs to go. And they tease you just for such a brief moment with the A-Force. And even though it's not the exact lineup from the comics, if I'm not mistaken, I think A-Force came out of Secret Wars. And that's something that I will definitely be diving into in the comics, too. And obviously, you have other Avengers titles that could pop up, West Coast Avengers, Young Avengers. And, you know, we saw Clint call his own daughter Hawkeye. And even though her name is not Kate Bishop, you know, Marvel does like to twist the stories a little bit to work them to their advantage. Mm -hmm. Just because you brought up Kate Bishop, I thought that I had read, and I don't know if it's one that they actually made as an announcement at their Disney Plus unveiling. But I had read that Hawkeye was getting a show, too, with Kate Bishop. Um, now, I, I that could all just be speculation based on the fact that, like, someone heard that Hawkeye's getting a show. But I would absolutely, knowing what I now know about Kate Bishop, what I've, you know, kind of been reading, I mean, the possibilities are just so endless. <laughs> it's It's so exciting. And then you know, also since we, since just because we were talking about potentially getting, uh, you know, more inclusive roles and, and just broadening the perspective of what a superhero can be. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love just, I, and I know it's not a main character, but that nod just talking about Endgame again, that, that character that one of the Russo brothers played was just, you know, that was, I think, one of the, you know, off the top of my head, one of the first times they'd prominently put a you know a a storyline from a gay character in in there you know even though it was very small Mm -hmm. it was just that was such a powerful scene and um i remember you know just just both times he just really knocked it out of the park and i believe also his daughter since we're on the topic of others i believe his daughter is the one with the bow and arrow uh hawkeye's daughter is yeah i did catch that on imdb too and variety did report that there is supposed to be a hawkeye show with kate bishop and jeremy renner would be back to reprise his role as clint barton so that's definitely something that we could see happening for the future you know the show will lead to the introduction of this character a soft introduction so to speak and then maybe she would make that step to the big screen there are just so many possibilities now that disney's doing disney plus later this year because yeah you know we know we're getting spider-man far from home i think they moved it up to july 2nd so they could capitalize on fourth of july weekend pretty much and after that I imagine Comic-Con will be where they start announcing a bunch of stuff because that starts 15 days after Spider-Man premieres. And I think they skipped Comic-Con last year or the year before, something like that. But yeah, I love, I miss, we haven't had in so long. It's crazy. I remember the slate for the Phase 3 getting unveiled and it just seems like ages ago now and it really was it was probably about five years ago or something like that like it was right before age of ultron came out so yeah you know it was it was close to that something like that so yeah i we don't have anything like that and i know that they're going to give us that eventually and whether it's their own event or if it's i'd love to see it at comic-con i would just love to go to comic-con uh if anyone hears this and takes sympathy on (laughs) i might have a chance to go as press but it is tbd right now you should absolutely take it 
that would be awesome. And I would probably be drowning <laughs> in news at the same time. <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, we did touch already on what we think a Black Widow origin film yeah. would possibly be. And with the de-aging stuff that they have already done, like you mentioned earlier, Jonathan, it wouldn't be a problem to keep Scarlett Johansson on. And once she hasn't really aged that much because Hollywood. She hasn't aged. Exactly. We had this, <laughs> we had this exact same conversation. I was just like, she looks incredible. Like she doesn't need any of that technology. And I think they kind of touched on that in Age of Ultron. I think they had her in a few like scenes going back to her traumatic stuff with her upbringing. But, um, you know, she just, she looks fine. I don't think that they, but yeah, you're right. Because they have it, they can, if they want to, they can do whatever the hell they want. I mean, it, literally looks seamless with Samuel L. Jackson and everyone else that they've done it with. It doesn't seem weird. It just seems, it seems like what you're seeing is impossible. And that's, that's how good it is. I mean, even down to Tony Stark and I think it was uh age of Ultron or uh civil war, actually, I guess when they're showing off that, that memory oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Christmas. And it's just like, wow, you can't believe it. <laughs> it just looks so real. Yeah. Um, that the possibilities really are endless. I would love to see more old Samuel L. Jackson or, uh, you know, younger Samuel L. Jackson. That was just so fun. Far from home. I'm excited just because it's going to be our first fresh taste after that, you know, such a giant, we're going to need, it's a palate cleanser really. Right. And that's kind of mm-hmm. how I felt in a lot of ways. That's kind of how I felt about Ant-Man and the Wasp after Infinity War. It was a little bit more of a contained thing and, you know, this will, this will be exciting. So, uh, also I, I have to echo what you said about, was it Marvel unlimited? I'm buying an iPad again, just so I can start reading on the thing again. Cause I love now that I've gotten back into comics. That's a big commitment. <laughs> it is. I, I mean, I, well, I, I've been reading walking dead. Um, okay. I recently got into the walking dead and I've out of like each book is something like 12 issues and I've on book 14 of 15 now. And so I'm almost Pretty, I'm already past where the show is right now, and uh, I've enjoyed it so much, and I, I love physically turning the pages, but all my friends that have iPads and things like Marvel Unlimited and whatnot, they say it's great to be able to actually zoom in and look at certain things a certain way on on that format. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped about that. I'm going to get a bunch of I, – I, I, too, will also like be looking <laughs> into the Eternals and the Secret Wars when I'm in Hawaii with my family uh, – next month i'm really excited about that so hopefully have more to talk about next time i i get to hopefully join y'all for a talk because that was yeah it was a lot of fun yeah definitely is there any other quick speculation we want to do here i feel like i've actually covered everything i think the only thing i i wanted you know like you said i would love it that scene that built upon what we got in infinity war with all of the women teaming up for that was just awesome. I love that Marvel is now in a place where they're just going to run towards, you know, things that are new and exciting and, and things that people have wanted for a long time, just like that. I mean, we should be embracing, uh, all of these things. And it was so, that was such a wonderful scene, but yeah, everything I've seen so far. Uh, I, I also wonder if guardians three will be a redemption or discovery arc for that new Gamora and whether, Adam Warlock will actually play into it or if, Gar- if James Gunn was just doing that for fun. But yeah, that's pretty much, I also, you know, trying to think about, you know, if we did get another Avengers or whatever it may be, A-Force, you know, who would lead it? Would it be, you know, 
Shuri is the new improved team. You know, Tony is Captain Marvel, the new lead. Peter Parker, where does he fit in on all this? Oh, oh, one thing I think that a lot of us didn't even mention throughout this thing was how awesome Pepper Potts was as Rescue. Yes, I knew we would forget something. (laughs) But it, it goes back to Tony making that comment about her never wearing anything he gives her. Wearing what he gets her. Oh, God. It was so great. Uh, and uh, also just, I don't know if we talked about, I know we talked a little bit about the flashback or, you know, the the time travel stuff, but that whole conversation Tony has with his dad and wanting to tell him that he has a kid, he technically has a granddaughter yeah. that he doesn't know about. And he just wants to be able to tell his dad that he ended up having a kid. There were so many great things, but yeah, that Pepper Potts is rescue. I hope that we get more of that somewhere in the down the line. I don't know if we will, though, because I think Gwyneth said she was done. She's done. I think, but for the right amount of money. <laughs> They're going to throw all the money at her now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, right? that whole thing. I, I mean, that was one of the things that was leaked out onto the internet a few months ago. I definitely saw a few things that kind of gave me an idea of where they would take some of this. But, ah, uh, that was, I loved her as Rescue. And, you know, they kind of hinted towards that in Iron Man 3 when she wears the suit a little bit. So, it was once again a nice payoff. What about you, Katie? How do you anything anything we missed or anything you feel like you know you're excited about potentially? I am really looking forward to the next Captain Marvel movie. I've already said that, but I suspect that she's going to open up the worlds of the cosmic universe. I'm wondering how much because they I don't know how much time she'll spend on Earth because she's already such a cosmic character that Mm -hmm. it seems like Earth is Earth so boring now. It seems like it seems like everything they've done, everything they can do with Earth. And now it's like all we want is the cosmic. I'm super pumped for Captain Marvel, too. Yeah, I went so fascinated to see where they're going to go with that. And I mean, we touched on so much on this episode, and I <laughs> I loved doing it. And I think I just have to say again how great this whole experience has been. Like this, not only is it a great movie, it is a great comic book movie. I mean, Alan Moore has talked about how creator of Watchmen, for those who don't know, um, Alan Moore has talked about how like you can write stories in comics that you can't make any in any other form yeah and that's been true for a long time but i think this is the first with this movie they really showed that they could do something that's like a comic book because more than anything else for me watching this felt like reading that final issue you know of for me i think the first one of those I read was uh, the Batman where Gotham gets entirely shut down and is declared a no man's land. Okay. Yeah. Batman, no man's land was my first like huge long thing that I read. And when you read that last issue of it, you're just so satisfied and all the plots have come together and all these heroes have had their moments. And that more than anything is what this experience felt like for me. So I'm so pleased and it feels like, Good job, guys. You really pulled it off. <laughs> we can rest easy knowing this happened. You know, yep. like everything was in good hands. And, you know, honestly, like just even further past the movies, like the amount of uh, the friends and stuff that I've made along the way that have bonded over their love of this. Like I, you know, I, I think uh, Iron Man and all of this started to kind of start to develop around the time that the Internet was really taking off. And, you know, we're now in a time where... You know, it's not uncool to play video games. It's not uncool to have interests in comic books. They are part of the zeitgeist now. Things have changed. And 
you know, I, I look, uh, when I was cleaning out uh, my garage, I was going full-blown Marie Kondo on my house and garage a few weeks ago. And I found these amazing uh, scenes from, I'm looking at it now, so I'm turning my head, but I have some actual pages, some ink pages, like proof pages from Wonder Woman and from something with Wolverine, but a a family friend of, uh, or not even a family friend, a person that my dad knew through work somehow was married at the time to one of these inkers. Uh, who had done Spider-Man and all this other amazing stuff. And I found this in my garage in storage and I've like dusted it up and put it up in my house. And I just like, I don't think child me knew how important and amazing this would go on to be. And it's signed to, to me from the inker. And I've looked him up since and he's, you know, still very prolific in that community. And it was when I was a kid, it was just like, you know, such a small thing. And you were a huge, you know, I watched the X-Men cartoons and I read the X-Men comics and I got my dad. I used to buy Wizard when I was a kid. I don't even know if Wizard's still a thing. It might be. It is, as far as I know. Yeah. And I have I have some like, I have like the first appearance of Gambit from X-Men in like decent condition. And the first appearance of, I just remember my dad taking me and buying me this such like destroyed Hulk 181 with Wolverine, you know, <laughs> just because I liked it and I wanted to thumb through it and it didn't matter if it was all destroyed. Um, so I can understand uh, a lot of like what some people are feeling that they're just like so relieved that this has become such a facet of pop culture. And uh, I'm just really like, like Katie said, I'm just grateful that they stuck the landing and they gave us something so satisfying to finish it with. Yeah. Marvel has, done something that not many other companies or franchises can say that they have done. Obviously, Star Wars would come close, but they took a lot more time to get their story done because, you know, that you had the first trilogy, you had the prequel trilogy, and now you have the current trilogy. Which put a bad taste in everyone's mouth that, like, then they waited, and now now they're kind of like in this. I think that, you know, all of the, now all of the focus at Disney is shifting towards Star Wars, I think. I mean, obviously a little bit towards the next Toy Story, which arguably I'm, like, kind of not sure how I feel about yet, but I will see it. <laughs> um, but I... I really wonder, like, I don't think Star Wars, honestly, I don't think Star Wars is going to be able to to match this. And I'm excited to see what J.J. does with it. I was really excited, and I still think that there's a lot of good that Ryan Johnson did. He didn't deliver what I was hoping he would. But I think that Star Wars is kind of an interesting spot now, too. And, you know, once again, with Disney+, Plus, where does that play out with, like, The Mandalorian and stuff? So Disney's got a lot of cards that they're holding close to the chest that we will be able to see in what november i think is when disney plus comes out yeah it'll launch in november and they just have all the money anyway so i'm pretty confident that no matter what disney ends up doing they'll be able to figure it out in a way that a lot of fans end up enjoying especially with the marvel shows and star wars you know disney just has so much like i don't even know how disney exists because it's just so much all the time have you i mean you live in orange county i actually just went to disneyland for the first time in over 20 years i rarely go if it makes you feel any better oh my gosh well yeah all of my friends in la that have like these annual passes and whatnot but like oh my gosh it has changed 
I mean, it's still the same amazing place, but the fact that technology, they've embraced it so much to the point where like, you know, you can use the the app to get the fast pass or you can order food. Like it would be amazing. You see this long line of people and then you use the app and you'd skip the whole line to go get your dole. (laughs) And I spent so much money at Disney that day because they've embraced enamel pins and enamel pins is something so into. So I bought so many pins. You're right. Disney has all the money and and honestly even with all of my you know not all but you know the disagreements that I have with what they have done with some of the Star Wars stuff I'm just happy that more of it's getting made and it's expanding to a new generation and that's all that really matters like that other people get to continue to enjoy this and that continues to be relevant through things like this. I'm just glad Disney's taking a try on it. Yeah, Marvel has been able to do that through the years too, even though they went through those hard times, you know, with bankruptcy and having to sell off the rights to a lot of their big characters. You know, even in the comics, you can tell how Marvel has been changing. And I think the MCU has really embraced that. But I think think you know we've we've covered a lot here i have one actually sorry one last thing i want to bring up and and i just realized we didn't talk about deadpool at all (laughs) we did not and i'm just curious like does anyone i mean i I guess that's gonna be a whole long thing but we do know that uh, i think alan horn or someone on the disney side said that they're gonna let it continue to be rated r so that's also i guess just as a way to think you know that they're gonna they're gonna try new things they're gonna try new things, and they have, I believe, like an animated Howard the Duck show coming from like Kevin yes. Smith or something. And I, yep, oh god, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that some of the more mature shows might end up on Hulu instead of Disney Plus. I'm not 100 percent certain on that because Disney now owns such a big stake in Hulu as well. Right. So yeah, Disney is just going to do everything apparently and i fully expect (laughs) deadpool to be in their plans based on how beloved that character has become through the first two movies and whether or not they incorporate him into x-men that would be interesting obviously because you then would have to have a rated r x-men movie and i kind of want to know what that looks like me too yeah well i guess we kind of got a piece with logan and that was cool. But yeah, I'm just, I'm super excited. And, and I think it's just, I think everyone can agree. It's just an amazing time to be a fan of comics and superheroes right now. Yeah. You're just overwhelmed with all of it. And Disney is very much leading the charge. And uh, I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> Give me more. So yeah, I've, I've really, and I hope, I hope as more of this comes out that I get to talk to all of you more because I had such a delightful time talking about this. I just love meeting other people that are into it as well. And, you know, that group that we put together to go see Endgame was just a real, you know, a real obvious uh, way to see how much this has grown. You know, it's just it was our group was evenly split men and women and everyone just was so happy to be there. Yeah, definitely. You picked quite the episode as your first episode here. Yeah. And I right? I know, Jonathan, you will be back on. We have plans to talk about Logan soon. And oh, yes, Katie, right. you, you are always around. I am. Again, thank you both for coming on to talk about the movie and to stick around for some speculation. To our listeners, you can follow us at Geekdom Pod on Twitter. Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram. We are at Welcome to Geekdom on Facebook as well. And as always, thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.